Now, Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Shara McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, located on the South Shore, and I have been working as a full-time realtor and sales and marketing consultant for home buyers and home sellers for the past 15 years. My unique approach to assisting my clients to the next chapter of their lives is driven by being a team player and by offering them continuous training, education, advising, and mentoring. Every week, I will be providing you with real estate topics ranging from home buyer and home seller advice, legal matters, insurance binders, flood insurance concerns, home inspection questions, environmental worries like radon, lead paint, and mold, mortgages and loan programs, staging tips and ideas, real estate contracts, market trends, home values, and more. It's a talk radio show, and you can follow along online. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. If you missed any of our shows, you can listen on my podcast at talkrealestateradio.com. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me regarding your home sale or your home purchase, you can connect with me anytime at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all our South Shore neighbors. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Boston Connect Real Estate Broker Team. Uh, my name is Melissa Wallace, and I am here in studio with my team member, Mary Baker. Hello, everybody. Hello. Sharon will be joining us shortly. Um, she will be joining us via Zoom. And also via Zoom, we have Dustin in Boston. Good evening, world. Hello, hello. <laughs> Oh, see, I'm watching us on Facebook. I was watching the Facebook feed and we had a lag and I was going, what's going on there? I know, right? Um, Yeah, so tonight, um, I don't know if we should give a little sneak peek before we go to our traffic break. I know Lisa's going to be popping in uh, pretty pretty soon, but um, we do have a special guest tonight. And Mary, why don't you introduce him because you are his favorite. He is your favorite. (laughs) We don't have favorites. So tonight we're actually going to be talking about, we called it winter woes when we were, um, when we advertised it. It's not really winter woes, but kind of things to be looking for when you're purchasing a house in the winter months and when you're selling a house in the winter months. And we thought, who better to help us through that than Steve Cook, the owner of Imperial Inspection Services. Hey, good evening. Good evening. How are you? And one other uh, to add to that is, you know, how do you prepare your house for the winter too? Just being a... uh, regular homeowner so you cover all three on one certainly you must be reading my notes because i just wrote that down like right before we came on <laughs> um so how have you been i've been doing fine yeah it's been busy it's just starting to slow down you know in the last uh say this last week it's starting to slow down the market but prior to that it's been very very busy out there i can only imagine how busy we are and then you getting called out to multiple different home inspections right. um i know you're not taking any days off recently huh Nope, you cover seven, but you do what you have to do. <laughs> yep, absolutely. You got to work. What is it? Work hard, play hard. <laughs> work hard, play harder. Play harder. <laughs> work hard, play hard. That's a little inside joke for everybody. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And then, Steve, when we get back from um, Lisa's traffic report, we'll go into a little bit more in depth of sure, just what maybe you've been seeing a little bit of, um, because we're always curious what our preferred um, professionals are seeing out there. And of course, you are very much preferred. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> but am I, um, I'm schmoozing a little bit too much, huh? 
no i feel like everybody knows that 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 you love well i i asked steve like how everything was and he looks at me and he goes i had a big a good chimney the other day you missed it because <laughs> i like i'm the chimney girl and i go there's one of the other uh, listing brokers in the office there and i said she's gonna get mary out here right now to take a look at it she'll evaluate it and tell you whether it's a house that's pulling away from the chimney or the chimneys is pulling away from the house yeah, and using a ladder it. would be better I keep telling everybody I'm going to retire and become a home inspector. I'm going to yeah. retire from real estate and become a home inspector. Yeah, we'll put you out there with Keith, and Keith can train you. Oh, yeah. How's Keith doing? He's doing excellent. Yeah, didn't they just have a baby? And probably just, must have been a year ago. I just, uh, just, just about, uh, I think it was like nine months ago or so on there. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, yep, Andy and Meg, they just had a new one about uh, one month baby ago. Shay. Yes. Yeah. Baby Shay. Yep. Oh, and we have Sharon right before we're hey, going we're gonna to break Hi. for Lisa. How Hi. you doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. I see my father was just calling me. He was probably worried that I didn't hear my voice. So I'm okay, Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I did. And yourself? Yeah, it was quiet, you know, yep. different. But, you know, I did a little sort of mini self-quarantine before for two weeks just so my parents felt comfortable. So. Absolutely, which is a smart thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Lisa standing by, not to interrupt. Mm, okay, well, we have Lisa DeMilo from the Traffic Center, WATD Traffic Center. Lisa, this is Sharon. I hope you're having a great day, and I hope your Thanksgiving was wonderful. Thank you, Sharon. I hope yours was too. Um, not so wonderful though right now if you're on 93 North. It's slow from Route 37 to a crash at the Braintree split. Southbound's busy from Route 28 to Route 24. The Expressway Southbound's an easy ride from top to bottom. Northbound's a 10-minute ride from Braintree to Boston. Route 3 South is in good shape all the way down to Plymouth. And Route 24 South is a 17-minute drive from 93 to 495. This report is sponsored by Amazon. Amazon is hiring. Start delivering smiles this holiday season that can make someone's every day. Enjoy benefits and flexible shifts. Go to Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon's an equal opportunity employer. Traffic on the nines every morning. I'm Lisa DeMilo in the WATD Traffic Center. We now return to Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services on 95.9 WATD. Hey. <laughs> so that's what I think of. And we are back. Um, you are listening to Talk Real Estate with the McNamara Broker Team. We are. I'm joined in studio with Melissa. I am Mary Baker. I have Sharon on um, Zoom, Dustin Hughes on Zoom, and our lovely Steve Cook oh, from Imperial day. Inspection Services. Sorry, I, I have a hard time focusing when I can't see when I can't see us because Melissa's <laughs> doing the Facebook feed. So I'm like, no, everybody's smiling, but I, I'm I'm very interactive in the idea that I'm less on the radio and more on the Zoom, I guess. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about. Um, not necessarily winter woes, but kind of what to look for when you're purchasing a house in the winter months and what to, um, how to prep your house when you're selling it in the winter months, kind of twofold. So we have Steve joining us um, just to kind of give the perspective of, we see a lot of things from a real estate perspective, but what does a professional say when they're walking through your house? Who knows all of the systems and what to be looking for, the good, the bad, the ugly? Um, so Steve, just for everybody who, um, obviously all of our listeners know you very well, but why don't you just tell them a little bit about yourself just to give a brief intro back to who you are? 
Sure, I just have uh, been inspecting uh, you know, homes professionally since 1982, and uh, along with uh, home inspections, we've been doing uh, radon inspections, uh, lead paint inspections, Title V, and uh, insect inspections for you know wood-boring insects, termites, uh, carpenter ants, things of that nature, and been doing that since '82. And uh, we have a satellite office in uh, Braintree, and we have a main office on. Uh, Cape Cod, and we perform inspections uh, seven days a week. And we have uh, three other home inspectors, um, one being uh, Keith Johnson. Uh, we have David Edgren and uh, Jay Bowie. And also on staff is uh, Scott Sheehan, and does all the coordinations uh, with um, advertising and radon uh, pickups and uh, setups and uh, water samples. Oh, I had no idea he did advertising, too. Yes. I didn't know you did water samples. Yep. I didn't know you did water samples. Did I know that? Uh, yeah, I yes, that. Uh, we've talked about it a couple times on the uh, show. But most of the time it's uh, in Plumpton and Carver. Yeah, because is Plumpton all uh, wells as well? <laughs> yeah, Plumpton and Carver is 100% uh, well water there, yes. Hmm. I knew that Carver was. I didn't know about Plumpton. And I honestly didn't remember that you did those, the water um, inspections too. Um so, Steve, I don't know if you've been on our show since we sort of decided we are doing it more like a round table. So it's just sort of having a couple like bright ideas and then each, you know, everybody just sort of like pitching in on what their thoughts are. Um, sort of like it's always been, I guess. Um, but we know something came up with me in one of our inspections this week. And I was like, you know, who's going to know the answer to that is Steve Cook. <laughs> and then we were talking about the radio show and I was like, hey, we have to have Steve on. So thank you for joining us last minute. Sure. Um, but I'm going to jump right to my question because I'm sort of curious. <laughs> are termites active right now? Uh, usually if they're active, they buy the chimneys. And if the chimney has the exhaust from the uh, boiler or the furnace exhausted into that chimney is like Miami, it stays probably about 40 to 50 degrees and the termites tend to uh, hibernate right around that area. And I've, I've seen them active right into the middle of uh, January uh, and become uh, active again in early uh, March because that chimney just stays warm and the termites don't go to, you know, know to go to uh, hibernate for the winter. Huh. What about the, what about if the chimney isn't being used? If the chimney's not being used, then chances are uh, they're going to be inactive. So okay. usually, usually, when it goes below, say forty degrees, uh, termites, you know, become you know they go deep in the ground, maybe two, three feet to four feet down, and they hibernate or go inactive for the uh, winter. Same with uh, copper ants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mary, what did you think the other day that hibernated, or was that Casey? Uh, what did uh, I think that I, I think a lot of things hibernate. Coyotes? Do coyotes and fox hibernate? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think coyotes I do. I, I see them out in my backyard still. Uh, in the middle <laughs> that wasn't of me. That wasn't tracks. me. <laughs> <laughs> For the record. I saw a coyote just um, on Gora Mab just the other day walking mm -hmm. by me. So I knew. Well, if it's that close to you, it's probably rabid. Stay away. Seriously. <laughs> so but let's get right into our topic again. It's sort of winter worries, winter woes when purchasing a house in the winter time. And uh, last year we were very fortunate, Steve, as you know, with the winter weather and snow. We didn't have a lot. I think that the Farmer's Almanac is predicting the same thing for this year, and I definitely believe them. So I'm going yes. <laughs> to go with that. Um, or I'll have Mark buy another plow because he bought a plow last year and then we had no snow. So that worked out perfectly. There you go. Push some stuff around in the backyard with it. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, so Dustin, um, Steve, I think that you've met Dustin in the past, no? Yes, I have, yes, yep. Okay, perfect. And then did you know that he is actually now the fiance of my daughter, Casey? I did not know that. Isn't that exciting? Congratulations to Thank both of you. Yeah, so when did that happen, Dustin? October, it was after the bar exam. So October 5th, for the bar exam, so the week after. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> October 19th. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> what she said. October 19th. October 19th. Okay, that's when it was. I, even <laughs> I remember. Gosh. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Dustin, do you want to get into some of the, uh, questions we have for Steve or just what, how do you want to approach this? Yeah. I, I always like when we have people like Steve on, because I also get to become a spectator and enjoy listening to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. I know myself. what we're talking about. <laughs> a nice like little yeah you know some stuff no no we'll see but so really what i'm getting at there is that this is just as much steve so as anyone else's so whatever whatever he needs to talk about feel free and yeah probably the uh, number one thing because uh 35 uh, 37 percent of all homes uh the pipes tend to, you know, first burst in the basement if you don't take care of, you know, winterizing the home, meaning shutting off the outside watering uh, faucets or the spigots outsides, and then shutting them off uh, from the inside area. And then insulating your pipes is a uh, main thing, and that black uh, clip-on insulation is pretty inexpensive, and by uh, clipping that on the pipes will kind of give you that little safeguard, especially if the temperature in the basement or if you have a crawl space in the house uh, will help prevent you know any of the pipes from freezing during the uh, colder uh, season. You know, when do you recommend recommendation to start winterizing? I'm uh, winterizing is uh, yeah definitely is shutting off those outside watering spigots. And um, you know if you haven't had a problem in the past, uh, chances are you don't have any air, air air infiltration coming into those areas. But insulating the pipes uh, downstairs in the basement is always a uh, good thing to do, even if it's in the uh, summertime, you know, if you're insulating your hot water pipes, uh, that keeps everything warm and stops it from cooling down. So you get, mm -hmm. you know, two things for one, you get that little preventative for, uh, you know, from pipes uh, freezing up during the wintertime and bursting once they thaw. Hmm. I've never one thought of that. One of the things, um, Steve, that I know that Mark gets um, calls on a lot of time is sometimes people will... Um, they forget to undo the hose, even though like they have a frost proof um, silcock on the exterior of the yep. home. So they think that they're okay. So they don't shut off their water and they forget to take off the hose. And then that causes some big old issues come spring. Right, even if it's a uh, you know frost free one there, if the valve is in the open position and you leave the hose on that, that pipe is still charged. And when that you know water freezes inside you know the garden hose and inside where the uh, faucet is, that's going to crack that on the outside and, you know, create damage and make some uh, nice springtime work for Mark. <laughs> you know, one of the things I was thinking about, sorry, Mary, and I promise not to hog the show, but you know how I am, especially when Steve is here and I don't get to go to the home inspections as much anymore. But one of the things I'm thinking about and why I love the round table is because you say something and then it makes me think. So it's perfect for my like ADD. So I can squirrel in any direction I want, but and you think about like, we're talking about these things that happen in the winter. So I would guess that Mary, when you're out with our buyer clients, you think of these things in the winter. Like if you're looking at a house on a hill in the winter, you're going to think about how icy the driveway is 
in the winter. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at it in the summer, you tend not to think about it, which is why it's so important to have a home inspection. I mean, if we have a client that thinks it's the best way for them to get an offer accepted, we make them sign a waiver because we always say, you need to have a home inspection and we always refer Steve and the crew. But this is, this is a really good reason why, because uh, is anyone ever gonna think about the outside Silcock when they're, it's 90 degrees out? But it's still well, things that you mention to people as you're going around the house with them, right? Yep, and a lot of times, you know, about uh, probably about 80% of the people follow with us during the inspection. That way they get that little, you know, learning experience of where the main water shut off. So if a pipe breaks and say it looks like a Three Stooges movie, they know where to <laughs> head to first to shut down the whole house and then, you know, evaluate what the actual uh, problem is. Plus, we show them where their outside shutoffs are and if they have like a two-car garage and they have uh, water going through that garage, where that shutoff is and open up the outside one for it to drain down. And that way it's some preventative, you know, so they don't get into that situation. It's such a funny dynamic. Someone, you know, making such a large purchase and such a huge investment as, as their own and then having someone else come in who's never been there and show them actually how the house works. <laughs> right. I've, I've had people ask me what the little white thing is by the front door, you know, and that's the doorbell, you know. Some people <laughs> just don't know. You know, if you've lived in a condo or in the city and a lot of people don't know what that little uh, white button does. <laughs> well, now doorbells are very deceiving, so it could just be anything. It could be a ring doorbell. It's a camera. Yeah. It's really a camera. <laughs> exactly. It's recording everything. Yeah. So, and then the other is uh, if you have the old, you know, if you have an older style home, something that was built, you know, say prior to, say, 1965, a lot of people don't do it. And I see it on home inspections all the time. They don't put their storm windows down. You know, and you get to the house and the screens are still there and, you know, they're losing, you know, probably $40 per season, uh, you know, per window if they don't put the storm windows down. And you know, I'm thinking thing. of my antique house that doesn't have the storm windows down on the front of the house or, and I think the hose is still connected, Sam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think our pipes in the basement are insulated. Mark, help me if they're not. I have a big list of things I have to do when I can. <laughs> I'm going to get the, right on that tomorrow. Well, I finally, after three years maybe, I finally have my basement cleaned to the point where I was down there and I was like vacuuming behind something. I was like, I think I'm ready to have Steve come into an inspection live at my house now because I have it cleaned. We were going to do that about a year ago. I know. <laughs> I know. I finally have the basement clean though, so I'm not embarrassed. But so we did the raid on that. Let's okay. plan on doing that in the spring. We can do sure. a live show. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that we can <laughs> accumulate anything over the winter then, Sharon. Uh-huh. You can't accumulate anything over the winter. <laughs> I know. No I'll Christmas cry. presents for you. Uh, then the other thing is to just do a walk around usually this time of year here and just kind of look at your roof, you know, just as a homeowner and see if anything's curling up or you have any missing shingles. And this is the opportune time to do that temporary repair. Uh, rather than waiting, you know, for the middle of January when it's dripping inside and, you know, it's hard to get someone out to get up on the roof to do the repair. Mm -hmm. mm. That, that is a good one. Yeah. And then the main thing, like we talk about, is we had, we, we had the ice dams four to five years ago. We had the big problem is clean your gutters, get everything out of them, get the water flow, and get less likely, and you'll help reduce the, um, you know, the beginnings of ice dams inside of a home, too. Can we go back to the windows for a second? What yep. are your thoughts on screens? Because I like to take my screens off of my windows in the winter. And it's be basically because I like looking through a clear window. Mm -hmm. And I think that my candles look better <laughs> without the screens. But also because I feel like the snow sticks to them and makes them 
you know, you know what I mean? How the snow and the ice will stick to the windows. Yeah, especially if you have the uh, like the fiberglass uh, type material, it will cause the uh, screens to sag. And if you have the steel ones, but if you take them out, you know, it's you know, you get that four months of high winds and snow that's not, not going to affect the uh, screens, and they're going to last a lot longer. Hmm. So the screens but, don't help with any of that heat loss at all, zero. really, right? Yeah, just bugs. That's it. Just bugs. Yeah. Just bugs. Um, no. Windows yeah. in the winter. Well, so it gives you a chance, you know, the down on the basement, if you want to repair a couple or send them out to be repaired, that's the time to do it. You know, bring so it down to the hardware store. And, hmm. Yeah, and I think that they're like $25 at least to repair them and uh, get them done for the spring. Donna Bagney does them too, by the way. She did all the ones for the office. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I she, didn't know that. She, yeah, she made all the screens. Yeah, she did them all herself. Yeah. Handy girl. Oh, so the storm windows, I, I don't even know if um, some of them are like, jam I mean, the old part of the house was built in the 1800s. Um, obviously, the storm windows weren't around in the 1800s. I have no idea when they came around, but um, they're jammed into place. Like, they don't even kind of go up and down anymore. Right. I don't think my window's open anymore. Yeah, so sometimes you got to unscrew all those little teeny little Phillips head screws on the outside, take the storm window off completely. You know, bring it in the garage or downstairs and uh, start working on it to, you know, free it up. And Or we could just replace the windows, huh? Oh, you could just replace the windows. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I am the path of least resistance. Uh -huh. That is the path. You're not going to bring them into the garage and fix them then? <laughs> no, there's a couch in my garage. into the garage. <laughs> Um, okay, sorry. That's just my, I, I put another thing on my list, clean gutters, because we have so <laughs> many peaks at our house that I always worry constantly about ice dams and water penetrating. And I mean, our roofs are relatively um, newer, um, especially the in-law portion, but we just have so many peaks and areas that water can just get trapped if we, if we don't clear off the roof. Mm -hmm. So gutters is a good one. Right. And then the other is uh, trees. You know, look at the overhanging branches. You know, a lot of times if the branches are, say, six feet above your roof, as soon as you get a snow load or ice on there, those branches are going to come down. They're going to stick to your roof. And then if you get a windy day like it was today or the other day, it's going to start tearing some of your shingles off the roof and damaging your gutters. So you want to get those trimmed back. And plus, you, know, you find that the rodents and the animals don't use that like the Zakem Bridge to come over <laughs> the animals, right across the uh you know, branches. So you always want to get those trimmed at least six feet minimally away from the home. You don't want a lot of overhang anyway, because even in the summer, it might cause like mildew of growth or... Yeah, if you're trying to grow moss on your roof, that's yeah. the best way to try to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep it nice and shade, no sun, a lot of moisture. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> don't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we were just talking about roofs a little bit, too, yeah. and I know we'll get into Mary's favorite topic about how to know if someone has insulation or not, enough insulation in their roof area or in their attic. Um, but with the roofs, one of the things Mark actually um, did, the he did some Christmas lights on the building, and I was like, well, how do you get them to stay up there? And he's like, I'm not putting screws and nails and everything else into the roof just so you can have Christmas lights. So do you see a lot of people doing that? And that will probably cause damage, right? Because water can then penetrate in. Because sometimes right. I see the nail coming, you know, when we're in the attic and you can see like water staining around the nails. Right. But most of the time, the water stains you see around the nails, that's just from condensation in the attic and not from, uh, you know, someone penetrating it, you know, putting up Christmas lights or holiday lights. 
Um, but they do sell clips, which you can clip on the gutters and you can clip on the uh, trailing edge or the drip edge of the roof, which will hold your uh, lights up there without damaging your roof too. That's what he ended up doing. I'd say yeah, right to the Christmas tree shop and they sell a bag of like 50 and it's like 15 bucks and uh, usually good for the season. Yeah, he's, I said to him, I was like, he put them up the first day and they were a little, they looked great, but they were a little crooked. And I said, I'd like them to be as straight as a pinstripe on your boat. <laughs> so they <laughs> got back up there. You're going to put a B and an R on the top of the roof of the building, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just learned what, so you said drip edge earlier. I just learned what that is. Because we didn't have we didn't have them on the older part of the house, and we just had some um, trim replaced. Sure. So, can you explain what a drip edge is, real quick? Because I yeah, think drip edge in most cases is a piece of aluminum that runs along the outside edge of the roof, whether it be on the gable side of the house or above the gutter area, and that kind of gives protection of the wood that's below that, so water doesn't get into it. Uh, the older homes uh, sometimes they take a piece of cedar shingle, which is similar to like the siding. They turn it around backwards and they do a static course with that along uh, the edge of the uh, drip edge, right by where the gutter is. Interesting. And help, um, you know, stop any water from getting underneath that first course of shingle. Interesting. I, I thought it. So, sorry, go ahead. No, go. Mine has absolutely nothing to do with overtime. Oh, so. no. I, I was just going to say. I was so used to not seeing the drip edge on that part, so the area that we had replaced, that I thought that the contractor did it wrong. I was like, um, Sam, you have to tell him to get back up there and fix that because that looks terrible. What is that aluminum that's now exposed? And he goes, no, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. We actually had it the wrong way. Wow. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So now I have to stare at it all the time. I and a lot I feel of times on inspections, uh, some people have done it themselves on the... Uh, drip edge instead of letting the shingles overhang the drip edge by a quarter inch to a half inch they cut it back and you can see the edge of the drip edge so when it hits that piece of metal water goes right underneath the roof oh even better yeah that's even, even worse yeah 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 well so uh, everything that i'm saying right now to this little honeydew list that i'm creating i should have had an inspection <laughs> yeah, absolutely i would have known all of this prior to but for energy conservation, especially uh, now, is uh, you know probably called mass save, and they're the best uh, resource. And depending depending on the uh, program or whatever they have for the week, uh, they'll come out, take a look at your house, and make any recommendations for insulation, upgrades for uh, light bulbs, things of that nature inside the home. And that's a uh, free service for them. To yeah. And they do have the. Uh, Actually, where they do it right over your phone, your iPad at this point, where they'll walk through the house if you don't want them coming to your home mm. physically. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a good idea for you to do, Mary. So we actually did have, I think I've talked about this before, we did have MassSave come out and they did all of our light bulbs. Um, they replaced all of our light bulbs with just the LED for free. Um, but the reason that we actually had them come in was insulation in our attic. Sure. Um, and we ended, what is the insulation? It's going to escape me that you really, really do not want to have. That's vermiculite. Vermiculite. That yeah, is what we have vermiculite on. Uh, contains asbestos. You don't know unless you have it tested, but it's like those little uh, squares, like a quarter inch by quarter inch. And they almost look like you put it into uh, the dirt that plants are in, uh, like the perlite, but it's called vermiculite. And uh, some vermiculite contains uh, asbestos. 
so the, I don't think that we never went the route of having it tested, but I remember them coming in and saying, you know, they couldn't put additional insulation until we had it treated and or tested and have had it all pulled out. Yeah, that's probably definitely vermiculite. And then if you have the knob and tube wiring, a lot of times. Knob and they, tube. That's one thing I don't, don't have. Have <laughs> <laughs> when you don't want to put insulation over the knob and tube wiring because uh, that stuff will tend to overheat once you insulate it. That's if you have active knob and tube, I'm assuming, not if it's just disconnected. That's correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, but so we did have MassAve come in, and I want them to come back because there's set we could severely benefit. I'm sure they would have suggested getting new windows um, from having them come through and energy efficiency-wise. My house is quite large now, so the, the bills are higher. Um, but that's something that we have to have done first just for the safety of everybody. Sure. That's a good thing. Yeah, let me circle back to my random question for a second. Yeah, let's go back to your random question. Sorry, I think of this probably once a day because I think there's a commercial during Jeopardy and I don't think about it again until I see it. Until now we're talking about roofs. What are the advantages of a metal roof? If there are any. Roofs are expensive, but they're a great roof and all your neighbors know when it starts to rain and you know when it's down to rain. Did you hear it inside the house? Oh yeah, you hear it inside your house, absolutely. But it's not that bad, but it's a great roof, the metal roof, and they, they last uh, 30 to 50 years, especially if you got a uh, sharp pitch on your roof, too. But they're, they're great. the cost is the big downfall? The what? The cost is the big downfall? Yeah, the cost, but once you do it, it's it's there pretty much, you know, forever, you know, and, and never have to maintain it. Yeah, obviously not knowing anything about roofs. I saw the commercial, and I was like, well, that makes sense. How come everyone doesn't have metal roofs? <laughs> The only thing, the only uh, thing with that is you got to put little uh, guards down at the bottom, so as the snow when it melts, instead of it sliding off in one huge sheet, yep, uh, it will break it up into smaller chunks. So you never want to park your car below a, uh, you know, steep dangled uh, metal roof. <laughs> turn it into a Mini Cooper in no time. <laughs> right in hand. They have a lot of them up north, don't they? You know, a lot of. I feel like New I Hampshire see them up north a lot. Yep. Yeah. yeah they have the little cutters, or they have the little blades on there, so as the you know the snow comes down, it, it breaks it up, so mm -hmm. you don't have those large sheets coming down. I get for sure. Steve's one-liners, my goodness, I can tell. Like <laughs> Dustin hasn't heard many of them, so use them all tonight. <laughs> well, my favorite is when we're actually with clients and we're going through a home inspection, and he'll make a little like side comment joke. And they look at me with these like tears in their eyes and absolute terror. I'm like, no, he's not. He's not serious. Like it's not. <laughs> he's just joking with me. There's not going to be a monsoon of rats that are going to come out and steal me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see me run, run quickly behind me. That's uh, <laughs> what you want to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I've only seen you do that once. Yeah. They're like, oh, we should leave. <laughs> I don't like this. And then the other great thing during the winter time is not that we're having, you know, we didn't have that much snow last year is uh, marking your walkways, you know, your flower beds and things like that. So, you know, go taking the snowblower and running right across, you know, next year's growth that are coming up. Or if you have stones in there, all of a sudden, you know, you ruin your snowblower, you know, going over the top. Or if you have a plow service that comes by, you don't want them, you know, taking out your walkway or, you know, digging up your garden with the blade. So at least you know where to push all the stuff to. Okay, so I have a funny story. You ready for it? <laughs> so, Mark, we had a lot of snow one year. I mean, plenty of years. We've been married 28 years. And he was out snow plowing one night, and it was dark and windy. Like the, It was just like he was, like, all covered with ice and everything, and it was miserable out. And I, was, I emptied the trash after dinner and everything, and I just took the bag 
and I had thrown it out the side door because I was like, I'm not going out in a blizzard to put this in a trash barrel. Well, we got so much snow <laughs> that he didn't see it. And it was covered with white snow. And he took the snowblower and <laughs> there goes the trash barrel. <laughs> <laughs> the I would be so mad. <laughs> I think of it every single time it snows now, though, when I'm going to put this, when I'm going to throw my trash out. I have that fond little memory. Wasn't so fond for me, but glass was like throw, been, being thrown out all over at him. So, anyways, that's my funny story. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so don't do it, Cameron. Don't do that. Huh? Yeah, but funny. even when the snow's not down and the stakes are in, you have to pay attention to them because I walked into one yesterday here. Taking the trash out. I was alone, so I mean, I wasn't embarrassed or anything, but <laughs> I and I just kept walking. Yeah, and over. It's fine. It's still out. Yeah. All right. What is that? That was a great uh, tip, though. But with the landscaping, I mean, one of the things too, Steve, is when you're doing your inspections, are you giving people, you know, any? you know, advice or anything about the landscaping aspect of the homes? Oh, sure. Yeah. And the main thing is the wood soil contact because a lot of times over the years, the mulch, uh, you know, tends to build up along the foundation and all of a sudden you find a situation where the siding is sitting in the ground and that kind of makes an attraction for, um, you know, termites and uh, carpenter ants. Like on Alyssa's house in Marshfield, uh, remember that years ago, Ooh, where I that remember. front wall was sitting right down on the ground and we were just you know, pulling termites out of, uh, you know, the ground there. I have a hand, you are hand full of termites. I have a picture of it somewhere. Yep. I can find it at the <laughs> seven o'clock break. Yep. I've never seen that. Yep. Oh my yeah. Mm-hmm. Every so often I come across it and I was like, what is that? Oh, that's Steve Cook's hand with a handful of termites at Alyssa's house. That's mm-hmm. actually one of the first things that I notice when I walk up to a house. Like very first thing, I think I'm better almost exteriorly than I am internally. Doing chimneys, leaning chimneys is your thing. Yeah, that's why I usually round around, you know, on the chimney, if it's one that's set in the ground, that's why I always tend when we go around the inspections is to route, you know, route around a little bit where the chimney uh, joins up with the house where the soil is. And uh, usually if termites are there, uh, they'll be active in that area. I feel with termites too, um, like we just had a situation on one of our listings where it came up in the inspection. This is an inheritance, the house. Um, you know, the, you know, the women, the woman grew up there. That's my, our client and, you know, obviously hasn't lived there for years, has her own family and everything, but termites did come up in the inspection. And I think the person who's more surprised about there being termites other than the the buyer is the seller because termites is, don't, don't you agree? It's just one of those things is if you know you have termites, then you definitely do something to get rid of them. Right, and you don't know unless you have an inspection or, you know, you put your foot through the floor and, you know, that prompts someone to come out there and take a look and say, geez, you got a termite problem. It needs to be fixed. And uh, That's happened. Mary's Betty Boop heel was stuck in a... Actually, we just sold that house. That we, I, they, yeah, I, we told that, I told that story to the buyers as we were walking out the back deck. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss this house. I put my heel right through that board right there. <laughs> Not that board because they replaced the whole thing. Oh, so. yeah. But, no, but like it was right there. Yeah. Well, that happens. You know, it's like that wall that was out that house when I first met you, Mary, it was years ago. I pushed on the front wall and the house. Oh, yeah. And that whole wall almost fell out of the house. That was the only <laughs> time I ever remember you saying, meh, I don't, 
there was two times. So it was that, and you said, okay, maybe we shouldn't all be, shouldn't all be in here. And then there was one bathroom and it was very tiny. I remember, and we had all kind of crowded into the bathroom and you took your big poker and you poked right through, right through the floor. And you go, yeah. Maybe you should back up. So now I'll stand in one spot at the same time. <laughs> like, oh are we going to fall through? We already inspected the basement. We have to go down there again. Yep. <laughs> all of you are already sitting down there through the, the new uh, entrance from the back. have installed an elevator instead. There you go. Just a dumb waiter. Mm. Up and down. <laughs> we don't want to scare our listeners. Again, everybody, you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Sharon McNamara and the McNamara Broker Team here on WATD. If you have any questions for us, Ben is in studio, so we can take calls. We're live tonight with our one and only good friend, Steve Cook from Imperial Inspection Services, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And uh, we're also on Facebook Live right now, so you can find us uh, probably everywhere, Mel. Yep, everywhere. So Pembroke Connect, any, any of the Connect pages, Boston Connect Real Estate, McNamara Broker Team, we're everywhere. All right, send us your questions. If you have any questions, it doesn't have to be about our topic that we have tonight, but we do have Steve here who is the best of the best when it comes to inspections. And I know that because I said it. <laughs> so <laughs> I believe it. We've seen him in action one and it's our show, so we can yeah. say whatever the heck we want. <laughs> so, and we've been using you for years. I mean, Steve, yeah. I mean, just years and years and you know it's just you know when you have somebody who does the right thing for your clients it's it's awesome to feel like they're in good hands so thank you for always you're taking doing an inspection you look at it like you're doing it for a family member and you want them to know everything about the house and you know sometimes you get a lot of problems with the home there but we don't know the price so sometimes the price of the house reflects the condition and uh, a lot of people know what they're buying you know yeah. and there have been many a times when we're the listing agent and you're coming in with the buyer and, you know, there have been a couple transactions that over the years, because we've done so many with you that, you know, some of the transactions haven't stayed together because of the information you've given. I never feel, I don't live in these houses. So, you know what I mean? It isn't, you know, I don't know anything about them either. So um, I think it's just great that everybody knows exactly what they're purchasing. So some people go forward with that information where other people are, you know, a little skittish about the same information. So. Absolutely. Um, where are we, Dustin, on time, and what do we? What are some of our other things that we have? I want to talk about pools. Hmm. Mary, you guys have a pool, right? Yes. And Sharon, you have a pool. Yes. Steve, do you have a pool? I do not. No. All right. Perfect. So, me and you are looking for a pool, and you're the home inspector. <laughs> How do you go about that in the winter when it's closed? Maybe you don't have access to it. Figuring out if it's up to par. You don't. It's like uh, checking air conditioning once it goes below, uh, say, 60 to 55 degrees. You can't check uh, air conditioning on the home so you don't know to the spring. Or mm -hmm. you take the cover off the pool in your instance. You can't yeah. tell whether it's gunite or it's a liner or what you have going on. And, and the same thing comes into play during the summertime when it gets above like 85, 90 degrees. We can't uh, realistically run the heat in some, inside someone's home. So we can tell you, geez, you do have heat, but how well or not well it works, we're not allowed, you know, we, we can't ascertain that. Hmm. Well, Mary, when you talk about like some of the things that you maybe can put into an offer in, in regard to a pool, if you can't, um, you know, inspect it in the wintertime. Yeah. So this is something that we kind of, um, 
I, I think experience just because of you know the winter winter months and just how do you protect yourself trying to figure out what the best way to do that is putting in um putting it in an offer that you can inspect after the fact doesn't really hold much weight um but at the end we can ask that the seller represent that the last time upon closing the pool everything was functional that it was a gunite pool or it was a liner pool um so that if anything happens over that time no the buyer isn't really protected um but the seller has represented to the best of their knowledge that yes as of the time i closed the pool everything was in working order and then if you find out su such that it hasn't been opened for five years you do have recourse in a sense um, but also suggesting finding out all of the pool company's information the person who's ma maintaining it looking for you know how old the pool filter is when it was last replaced if it's a sand or um, uh, uh, de or diatomaceous or else yeah yeah, all, all the different types, just the more information that you can gather about those systems, even a heating system in the winter. When was the last time it was serviced? Who was it serviced by? Who's, um, you know, have you had any parts replaced? The more information, the better. And that's really, that's that's the only recourse, not really, in my opinion. From a seller agent perspective, this is the other fun thing, Steve, is I always play the seller and Mary always plays the buyer. And... I think that it's really important if you are thinking about putting your house on the market, it's too late now for this year because everybody has their pool closed. I always suggest if you know that you're thinking about putting your house on the market next year, take a bunch of pictures, take video of the pool running, take video of you know the pump running. Everything is time stamped now when you're taking these videos and these pictures. But I think the best advice too is if you're one of those homeowners who tends to close your pool yourself, I would hire a company to close the pool, give it a full, you know, whatever Once inspection. Get a report. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and get a report. Yeah. Just for Basically, the real estate transaction. Yeah, I was going to say that's a really good tidbit thinking about it. It's yeah, a way features. to prevent a lot of headaches down the road or a lot of questions or a lot of mistrust, misinformation from being passed along, certainly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially if you're going to make the decision to sell say in the winter, knowing you have a pool, knowing that's gonna be a feature that people are looking for, putting yourself in the best spot to ensure everything's accounted for. Mm -hmm. I find that, that a lot of- The uh, most challenging time to do a home inspection too, especially if you've had a fresh snow or something like that, you get to the house, you can't inspect the roof. You can look at it from the attic area to say, geez, it has leaked in the past or it's leaking today, but you know, looking physically at the shingles, you know, looking at the grass, the ground, the walkways, the driveways, you know, it's just tough during the winter time because what you can't see, you really can't, you know, inspect or comment on. Mm -hmm. Which is another good reason why people should be taking pictures and, you know, getting all that information together. So at least they can show this is what it looks like. I mean, anything happens over the winter anyways, gremlins could come in and... Um, actually, that's a question um, with, you mentioned AC units and that they can't be inspected either in the winter cold months. What are your thoughts on people putting covers on those in the winter? Yeah, that's pro and con. Uh, you know, a lot of people that do put the covers on it, I do see that the uh, rodents take that up as a little condo for the winter time, and they build a nest in there because they've got a beautiful cover on top of the AC unit that's sheltered, and a lot of times electricity is still going to it, so it's a little bit warmer inside, mm -hmm. and then they tend to chew the wires and damage your units and if you turn it on, you know, without knowing they're in there, then all of a sudden it's like a, uh, 
you know, I blunder, you know, with roses. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. The mice are in there and they're like, ooh, look at this nice felt yeah. blanket, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like most, your car. Most, yeah, most of them. Your, ca- your car in the wintertime. Yeah, most uh, condensing units are designed to just leave them uncovered and uh, let them go like that on the outside. Plus, a lot of times if you cover it, depending on the manufacturer too, uh, that keeps all the moisture and it stays damp in there. Oh, it never gets a chance to dry out. So a lot of times you get a lot more corrosion and rust than what you normally see if you were to just leave it uh, open to the weather. Wasn't that what happened with the water heaters? Wasn't there a time, like sometimes I still go into these houses that have these like humongous water heaters and they're all padded? Yeah, like, like insulated? Yeah, insulated. Those are the old and systems, the big 80-gallon brown tanks. Yep, they used yeah. to rent those and they used to insulate them and... But you don't you don't suggest that people insulate them anymore, right? They must have their own insulation in that. So well insulated. The older ones, if you were to take your hand and put it between the uh, hot water tank and the insulation, you'd feel how warm it is inside there, and that's all the heat loss you'd have. And you have that eighty gallons you're trying to you know keep warm twenty four seven. Yeah, the best thing today that they came up with are on demand systems, mm-hmm. which are great. Oh, Steve, the next time you buy the office, Mark, just put a new uh, heating system in the office. You have to check oh. it out. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> now, Dustin, how are we doing on time? Are we at our 7 o'clock break yet? Or You get about 30 about- seconds. 30 seconds. All right. Well, we have 30 seconds. You, again, are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable uh, with the McNamara Broker Team. We are sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate. And uh, we have Steve Cook from Imperial Inspection Services with us this evening. So any questions that you have after the break, we'd love to hear from you. 781-837-4900. We will be right back. W-A-T-T-F-M Marshfield. We now return to Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services on 95.9 W-A-T-D. And we are back. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Round People with Boston Connect Real Estate's broker team. My name is Melissa Wallace, and I'm here with my team members, Sharon McNamara, Mary Baker, and Dustin Hughes. Tonight, we are joined by the one and only Steve Cook. And every single time, I, I just I was thinking earlier about um, when we were doing those the thing after uh, you were here when we were in the basement, and I kept getting like tongue oh, twister, yeah. tongue tied, and I was getting so upset. But, but it's, do you remember that? Uh, inspection services. Services. <laughs> I just, I do you remember that? We did like a little podcast reel. If you want to listen to any of our past shows, you can go to talkrealestateroundtable.com. You can go to bostonconnect.com. Um, you can follow us on social media. We are the McNamara Broker Team. And you can also follow Boston Connect Real Estate. You can give us a call here at 781-826-8000. You can give Ben a call tonight at the studio if you want to join in on our conversation. Um, 781-837-4900. And you can just, you know, say hi. If you have any questions for Steve, uh, you know, just just let us know. But tonight we're talking about, we were going to, uh, we were calling it winter woes, but it's it's not all bad. It's it's good. It's it's good information to know. Uh, it's, 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 it's not yeah. prepared for, you know, it's the summertime you do different instead things. Of, instead of winter fall. woes. Yeah, instead of winter woes, it's winter whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
like how I say real tour, like because we're like superheroes. <laughs> Love Anyways. it. Anyways, so back to uh, East Hill. East Hill. Yeah, the <laughs> East Hill. Can you move the East Hill? <laughs> um, all right. Nice, uh, get, Dustin, get us back on track here. <laughs> Impossible. Wait, I I have something. Um, can I interject? So well, before, before, well, before we left for the break, um, Steve, something you had said was, you know, a time to inspect a house is really, really hard when you've had like a just a fresh powder on the ground. Um, a couple of things like I was thinking of, you're talking about the roof, the foundation, because... And that's a big one. So I worry about okay. cracks in the foundation when there is snow on the ground. Right. And because you might be able to see it from the inside, but not if the inside's finished. Exactly. And it all depends how deep the snow is on the outside, too. You know, if you're, a lot of times, you know, most houses you see six inches to 12 inches from the bottom, the siding to the, um, you know, ground. So if you do get, you know, a few inches of snow, that's not going to impact, you know, being able to view it on the outside. And, you know, if it's finished off on the inside, at least you get the outside view of it but you know the inside kind of tells the tale a lot more than the outside because you have the front steps the porches and everything that joins up and you just can't see behind those areas and that's usually suspect if you can't see well that's a big one too like you just yeah. mentioned front steps the front steps pulling away from the house we see that all the time all the time yeah. and, you and if, you're not, if you're not able to really look at that that's one of the that's the second most common area that you do find uh, wood rot and wood destroying insects is where the front steps are, you know, brick steps join up at the house. And then the other is a lot of times on the decks where they build up, you know, the wooden decks in the back is a lot of times it'll put flashing you know, or the deck settled. So you have that gap between that first board that touches the house and it just accumulates in there with all the, um, you know, water, ice, you know, leaves and stuff and just kind of sits there and causes the uh, siding to rot and then just kind of feeds on itself from there and makes an attraction for bugs to get into that too. It's surprising to me, Steve, how much of that we actually do see. Like, that's that's a big one. I think it happens more often, and it's problem. Do you think it's because homeowners just take it upon themselves to build their own decks? Yep, that's that's what you see a lot of the times, you know. And some of them are in pretty good shape, and other someone just doesn't have a clue. You know, they started watching the YouTube video, and their computer died, and they never got the last uh, <laughs> you know, sessions on uh, what to do. And, they had a couple beers while they're doing it, and they're like, eh, yeah, no, that's the problem, too hard. No, the problem, yeah. <laughs> Who needs these extra steps? <laughs> that's cool. Put the beer can on the back. I will prop it up for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we're selling it anyways. <laughs> um, all right, ladies, what other questions we have? While we're talking um, foundation cracking, this doesn't really have to do with um, winter woes. But explain why you don't want to see a horizontal crack, but like your spider cracks and or your vertical cracks, depending on where they are. Why? Um, yeah, most houses on a regular foundation, it's it's common to see up like a, you know a half a dozen, you know, cracks going up and down, and you know up to say a sixteenth of an inch. It's not uncommon to see that once they start to creep toward the uh, you know quarter of an inch, you know, and larger if they're going up and down, is. You know, if it's a new house, you really want to watch it because you don't have the test of time. Uh, if it's an old house that's been around for 40 years, chances are it's probably stopped settling if it's only like an eighth of an inch to a quarter of an inch. Uh, but on a new house, it's 
you know, say like a year old and you see something like that, it's really suspect. So at the next stage, you got to get someone in like Crack X or Crack Team to repair that and you kind of use that as a barometer, whether or not it's moving or not. But when you're buying a house, you just don't have that luxury of the test of time to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you go in there and you see the crack that goes up and down and the foundation, if you run your finger across it and one section's closer to you or one section's out, that's a real problem because the foundation's actually shifting. And then the other is if the cracks go left to right on the foundation, you don't see it too often, but that's really bad. That means <laughs> and you hope you never did. <laughs> and for some reason, the foundation's undermined or a lot of times you go to an area we have like the marsh or soft ground around there. When they built the house, the weight of the concrete compressed into the soils down below. Sometimes if there's, uh, you know, moss or, you know, say they dug out the hole too much and then the guy backfilled it and didn't allow the uh, dirt, you know, to set again. So you put all that weight on it. The foundation will tend to compress into the soil and that causes the uh, problem. But usually left and right, that's not a... Uh, Good way to look at a house. Sometimes that's the best way to look at that is in your rearview mirror as you're driving away to the next list. I I was literally going to say, I don't know why it's bad. I just know you've always told me it's really, really bad. I see that. If I've I've seen that, I've been like, we're not not buying this house. You can't buy it. We don't see it too often. Maybe one out of a thousand homes, I'll see something like that. And it's usually built on a or a side of a hill or, you know, something which Mm -hmm. kind of adds to that situation happening. We did the addition on our house and we cut through like the found the existing foundation into the back area, like underneath the family room that we built. And that's where the oil, we moved the oil tank to back there and the heating system is back there. And we, we've been cleaning back there. I really hadn't seen that back wall behind the oil tank in a while. And I noticed like a weird, it almost looked like a patch, like on, on the, on the foundation. And I asked Mark, I was like, did we have a crack in this foundation at one point? And it got patched. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I pointed it at it to him. And he said, no, it was, that's from the different pores, I guess, from the cement. Yeah, you can always tell how many concrete trucks came out there. So as if, you know, as they're dumping the concrete into the forms, uh, the color may be a little different from concrete truck A from concrete truck B. And yeah. uh, you see sometimes those lines going down at an angle. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it's doing. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes a lot of times the forms that they have, uh, you know, the forms will leave an imprint or a discoloration on the uh, foundations too. Yeah. I don't know if he's listening or not. He's downstairs, but I was like, I don't know if I'm going to believe him or not. So that's another question for me to ask Steve when I well, see him. He just texted me and said, to say, that, that's okay. And that's exactly what it is. So. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> um, one of the things that Mary had brought up earlier when we were talking about the different topics, and I thought that this was a good one, and I don't even know if you can really answer it 100%, is when you're doing radon inspections, first of all, can you just explain to our listeners the different types of radon inspections, yours versus the canister? And in the winter, do you feel as if you could potentially get a higher reading based on a lot of snow cover or frozen ground? Right. If the ground is frozen or you've got a good snow cover out there, if radon is present, it's usually going to be more elevated than, say, in the middle of August and July during the year. You know, because if you think of radon gas, it just kind of permeates up through the ground. And if you give something that's going to lock it in, it's going to, you know, tend to, you know, filter towards, say, your house. And then, you know, a lot of times if it's a negative pressure house, 
the air is drawn into the home. You know, like when you turn on, say, the fan above the, you know, above the stove, if it goes to the outside and it's a nice, powerful one, sometimes that would create a negative air pressure inside the home. Same with bathroom fans, if you have two or three of them going on inside, and that will draw air into the home. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the different types of testing that there is and a little bit more about radon? Sure. There's uh, two ways of testing. One is electronically, and they'll set a box inside the house. It's probably probably about 12 inches by 6 inches and 3 inches high. And what it does, we set it, and then we come back after 48 hours, and we plug uh, you know a laptop into it or a portable printer, and it'll print out the results. And most machines will give you an hour-by-hour hour, uh, readout and then it gives you the cumulative, uh, what you're looking for, for the results. And a favorable result would be anything 3.9 or below. Once it hits the magic number of 4.0 and they measure in picocuries, that would be considered elevated and it'd be highly recommended to put a uh, mitigation or reduction system in the home. The other way of testing for uh, radon gas is uh, either with what they call liquid scintillation or charcoal cans and devices placed in the home it has to stay a minimum 48 hours it's sealed up then uh, it's either brought to the lab or you put it in the mail and once the uh, lab gets it they test it and they'll let you know what the reading is and a lot of times if you have two or three days to play around with you know after the uh, test you know both tests are fine as long as they're placed and uh, set up properly and sealed you know before you put it in the mail you know both are going to give you uh, proper testing hmm. Just the only thing with the machine, you get a physical readout and you, it kind of gives you a chronological event of hour by hour. So let's say if someone disturbs the machine, you know, four hours after it's inside the house or the kids go downstairs and play with it, it'll register on the machine uh, that something was done to it, either it was tampered with, it was moved, it was unplugged. And then a lot of times if you get a consistent reading, and this is what the machine only of say like 1.4, 1.7, and all of a sudden it goes zero, 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 zero. You know someone's opened the door or ventilated the downstairs. <laughs> and then those type of tests, you know, we can't say, geez, it's a true test, needs to be done again. The, you know what I was curious about was, so one of the um, office policies that we have at Boston Connect Real Estate is that I request that our agents do not pick up the radon canisters for their clients. They can meet them there. If they're doing the machine, yeah, you can do that for them. But I always worry about like a false reading of some sort and something maybe coming back from a liability standpoint. But if you think about it too, I mean, it, you know, those little canisters, I'm not saying anyone would do this, but I guess I watch a lot of Dateline in 2020. So I think that there's always some type of people not doing the right thing. Um, we've seen it with the machines, but couldn't if you just went outside and untwisted that, and just stuck it out into the air, is that gonna change it? Or does the charcoal do something where it's sort of- well, that's, gonna, that's, that's gonna uh, you know, negate or lower the reading a little bit. And I've been on ones where I'm doing a home inspection or say a lead paint inspection on the house and some other company is doing the uh, you know, radon test inside. I've seen cans tipped upside down. I've seen books put on top of the cans during the test. And you know, they say, I'm, I'm there to do a lead paint or something other so i don't get involved with that but uh, mm. yeah uh, you can always google how to you know you know how to defeat okay. it or get a lower one especially if they know that it's been uh you know high in the past yeah well, like a lie detector test well, pretty <laughs> much and we have a new this is brand new within the, last on the uh 
radon testing is we don't use the portable printer anymore. Uh, we plug a, de a device in there called an air console that goes into the same machines that we have and that connects uh, wirelessly to your cell phone and the results are uploaded to your cell phone, put in a report uh, type setup and emailed or uh, text out at the time of the uh, pickup. Huh. So you don't get the paper printout, you get an actual uh, you know, report right on your uh, cell phone before we leave the property that day. I like day. that. That's brand new within the last week. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've been experimenting with it for the last two months, and um, Scott's the expert on uh, doing that now. Hmm, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. So we have, I mean, how much time do we have left now? Oh, we have plenty of time to talk about more things. Um, was there anything that you guys, Dustin or Mary, Melissa, that you wanted to bring up or ask Steve? Or Steve, were there any things that you wanted to hit upon? No, I think no, we pretty much touched base on everything on what to do, you know, for the winter time to get your house ready to, you know, you know, get the least amount of problems, you know, out of the winter season. Mm -hmm. What about you guys? Any questions for Steve? I wish we had, um, and maybe even Steve can talk about this, but I wish we had Mark McNamara on and talking about like winterizing your home when you're not going to be home. Like a lot of people have second homes down the Cape or they have, you know, a house in places like Hull and Situate where Mark does a lot of work. Um, and I asked him a couple of weeks ago, I was like, have you started winterizing yet? He goes, oh yeah, I got my first house tomorrow, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and I just remember being um, us a couple years ago, two years ago, being up at the Mount Washington, uh, you know, cozied up taking a tour of the hotel and mark's like you realize that that's the second coldest place on the planet right now <laughs> they like, wouldn't let us outside <laughs> and he's like freezing in Aww. someone's garage like in 10 feet of water it was terrible yeah, that but, I yeah. think it was a mercedes floating around in there and yeah. uh, i think maybe some <laughs> like top tips uh, for like winterizing your home if you're not going to be around um yeah, well, usually winterizing is only one thing to do is have it professionally done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. And, you know, for a homeowner to do it, you know, a lot of times they just know the, you know, don't know the little things that need to be done. And, you know, if a pipe breaks, you know, it's, it's not going to leak right away because it's going to be frozen. Then as soon as you come back up and you turn the heat on, you think everything's okay, the water's not working, and you're saying, geez, what's going on? And all of a sudden it looks like a sprinkler system going off in your house and, uh, now the pipes are thawed. So yeah. you always have it professionally done. There's not too much other than the outside faucets that you know a homeowner should do. And if you're going away, you know, for you know, for the winter season, have it professionally done. Mm -hmm. Well, I think another thing too, when we're talking about the plumbing, and by the way, Mark is listening because when I made my little comment about not trusting that he knew what was going on with the wall, he gave me a thumbs up on my okay. phone. <laughs> so he's listening. Um, so I asked him to come on up if he wants to talk about um, winterizing. But I do agree about doing it professionally. I mean, Mark has this big condenser um, on on a trailer that he brings around with him, and he blows out all of the you know, all of the heating systems and all of the pipes and everything. So, um, and even like, that's the thing is you need to know when to hire a professional. I mean, he probably could very much do our pool, but every year we have a sunshine pool, close the pool because that's what they do and that's what right. they know how to do. So I think that, you know, he has a lot of people who will um, say that they're going to, you know, open up their house themselves or winterize their house themselves. And then he doesn't guarantee the opposite of whatever they asked him to do because right. he doesn't know what they're doing with it. Um, 
but it's interesting, Steve, I'm sure you've seen Mary, Melissa, I'm not sure if you haven't, Dustin, I'm assuming you haven't, ever seeing a house that was, when we had, remember when we were going through all those foreclosures, the foreclosures, the banks were going in with sending companies in saying, oh, the house was um, was winterized. You would open the toilet, you'd see blue stuff in the toilet, but they were not really winterizing these houses. And then we would have, you know, the heating system, everything, everything would freeze from top to bottom. And oh my gosh, what a mess. Right, when, and once they got the heat going on inside the house, it just starts uh, dripping out of there. Oh, this Mark. Yes, Mark. This there is. <laughs> Mark, why don't you introduce yourself to all of our listeners? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mark McNamara here with us. If you're listening to WATD or if you're on Facebook right now, so we're talking about, um, you know, Steve gave the advice about winterizing, and we have a couple minutes left. So, what are the bigger mistakes that you see people making, um, not taking care of their properties in the winter when it comes to the heating system or winterizing? Oh, well, the heating system basically is mostly just service. How to get it serviced in the fall? you know, have it all checked out and so forth. But as far as winterizing and so forth. Summer houses and stuff. Well, I have a big compressor. So we go around and we blow the house out dry. We call the town, shut the water off in the street and then blow all the water pipings dry. So there's nothing in there that can freeze. Water tank gets emptied. Uh, we antifreeze the washing machines, all the toilets, the oh, sink traps, drains and so on and so forth. Dishwashers. So then worry about it. I mean, we do a service in the fall and then we come back in the spring and then we put everything on. And when the homeowners come home, they just basically go take a shower or do whatever they have to do. It's all done for them. Hmm. Plus, when you dewinterize the home, you look for any small leaks or anything that may have occurred or. Yeah, I mean, I have, a, I have a list of customers that I've been doing over the years and, you know, we repair anything that we see or uh, I, I mean, I have a bag of keys of probably 25 or 30 houses. I pretty much have free will to, to anything that they want done, fix it. I mean, if it's anything major, obviously I would go in front of them first, but all the small stuff, faucet drips, you know, leaky toilets or whatever, just fix them and be done with it. And they're happy to do so. Hmm. So that's good advice because you don't want your pipes freezing. And what about the, just a regular homeowner? for a regular, you know what I mean? Not something that's getting closed up for the winter. Um, I, well, obviously shut off all the Silcox, drain them, take the hoses off and so forth. Um, you know, any of the places, you know, see, we deal with a lot of places that might have some crawl spaces and stuff. Just make sure those latches and on the crawl spaces are locked and all the pipes are anti um, insulated and so forth. Um, you know, some of these houses that were summer homes, all of a sudden they've become winter homes and they just think everything's, you know, hunky-dory. But, you know, you just got to insulate some of the cold areas and stuff and get those drafts. The deck that got enclosed, right? But, Steve, you notice those things when you're doing the inspections anyways, right? Oh, sure. And you can see where it's been problematic and all of a sudden you see, you know, copper pipe and you see a piece of, you know, PEX pipe or a shock pipe or something like that. You know, that's an area that's been repaired before in the past. And usually if it's toward the outside, you know, geez, that's where it froze up and someone did a repair on that. So, you know, that area possibly could be uh, problematic again. We did uh, have a five-minute bell just yeah. so everybody everybody knows. I do have a little bit of a sneak peek that I wanted to um, get in there before before we... Uh, yeah, so I'm just gonna, I just have one other thing to say, just to let Steve know. I used the word Estabrook in a sentence yesterday, just letting you know, because okay. that's what he taught me. <laughs> so, 
Um, but yeah, Melissa, before you get to your sneak peek, I want to make sure that Steve gets an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can get in touch with them. If you're doing, if you're buying um, a home or if you're thinking about selling a home in the spring, I think you should be doing a home inspection. So Steve, how can people get in touch with you if they would like to do that? Sure. The best way is to give us a call directly. It's uh, 1-800-440-1141. Again, 1-800-440-1141. You can talk to Paula in the office. And she's there seven days a week uh, from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock at night. Or you can reach us by way of our website, which is imperialinspectionservices.com. And also on the uh, website, there's a lot of uh, material there talking about like that vermiculite insulation, asbestos, lead paints, there's a lot of reading material that you can uh, look at, you know, before too. Perfect. Awesome. And we'll have all that information for our listeners if they need it. Um, they can get in touch with us easily too at 781-826-8000bostonconnect.com. And Mel, why don't you take away your sneak peek that you have for Kristen Hallett? Yes. So Kristen Hallett, who is a full-time realtor here at Boston Connect Real Estate, has a brand new listing coming on tomorrow in Bridgewater. The address is 25 Chris John Way. Again, that's in Bridgewater. It is a beautiful custom Victorian. This one has five bedrooms. Five, guys. Five bedrooms. (laughs) Two and a half baths. It has a four-car garage, and it is on two acres of land. Um, It's nature reserve, and uh, it is actually coming on the market tomorrow. So she's going to be doing an open house there this Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 2. Um, It's going to be in the sevens. So if you're looking in that price range, if you're looking for something with uh, a lot of room, four-car garage, two acres of land in Bridgewater, this is going to be perfect for you. So again, the address is 25 Chris John Way in Bridgewater, and she will be there Saturday and Sunday, 12 to 2. Perfect. Mary, can you tell everybody about our listing in uh, Hanover that we'll be doing an open house at this weekend? Yeah, we have Nine Country Way. No, Country Road. I always say Way. I don't know why. Nine Country Road in Hanover. It's in an awesome um, cul-de-sac neighborhood um, just under an acre lot. It has a brand new septic system that's going to be going in prior to closing. It's on market right now for $4.99. Um, we're going to be doing an open house there on Sunday from 11 to 1. It's three bedrooms, has this cute little um, master half bath, um, lots of space, uh, finished basement downstairs, um, newer systems pretty much throughout uh, the house. So need some updating, but that you got to put your love on, into it. It's an awesome neighborhood. Like, Awesome, awesome, awesome. I can't say enough about the neighbors that are over there. They have been so, so kind. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Come Location is great right off of 123. So it's really yeah. convenient for people who want to get into the city or uh, even to the commuter rail. Very, very close. Dustin, any final thoughts and final words for you? No, just a big thank you to Steve. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. And to Mark McNamara. Yes, and to Mark. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And thanks to our listeners at WATD. We'll be back next week. No idea what our topic is. We'll probably know about an hour before. So tune in next week. And Steve, thank you so much for joining okay. us. On short Bye-bye. Talk thank to you, you later. Bye, everybody. Good job. Bye. Thanks.